I just want to note before this episode, we recorded this just before the first debates. So this was before any debates, before Trump on a bus tape was released. Uh, he was currently much higher in the polls. So this is before he started slipping in the polls. I also want to note that we mentioned registering to vote. There are many states where it is past the deadline now, but there are some states where it is not. So you can register to vote. Uh, please Google. Google register to vote right now, and uh, it'll find your location and tell you if your state you can still register. If you are registered, please show up. I know Hillary has started surging the polls, but if we don't vote, it doesn't matter. Go vote. Don't get complacent. Go vote. Okay. Now, Good Bad Show. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Good Bad Show. I'm Andy. And I'm Matt. (laughs) And this is a podcast where... I take my dog on a walk and I think about some jokes I could make about the subject we're going to talk about, but then I decide maybe I don't want to joke about it. You don't think it's funny? Maybe it's not funny. Maybe it's not. Maybe we're all going to die. (laughs) Because, Matt, Matt, tonight we are exercising the last shred of free speech we're going to have in the near future, and we're talking about Donald Trump. Do we have free speech until November 8th or January 20th? How does that uh, work? I guess it depends. I don't like, know. Does the transition team remove the speech, or I don't know how that... I don't know. I don't know. We're talking about Donald Trump. Matt, how do you feel about Donald Trump? This is, this is like the smoking one. This is easy, right? Well, this is easier than the smoking one. Smoking, it turned out, was maybe bad for you, maybe not bad for you. I think Donald Trump is definitely bad for you. So... Bad for your soul. I agree with you, Matt. But oh, if you look at what an easy one. If you look at all of our shows in the history of this young podcast, this may be the thing that most people statistically would disagree with us on. Mm, I guess here. Wait, we can go to five thirty-eight, and we can go to polling, and I'll oh have my that God, page we're pinned. We're all gonna die. Uh, hey, it's actually a little bit better. Clinton at fifty-nine point four percent. Trump at forty point six percent. That's still too much. That's still way too much. It's a lot of people, Matt. If the polls are to be believed, it's a lot of people that not only don't feel that he is undeniably bad, but in fact feel that he is undeniably good. He is the better of the two candidates and deserving of the office of the presidency of the United States of America, which is where you and I both live. Oh, oh man. I was hoping there was a technicality, like maybe we don't live there anymore, or maybe he's running for a different country, or is there something to make this nightmare go away? That would be great. Unfortunately, the only thing that's going to make this nightmare go away is going out and voting on November 8th. And in the meantime, uh, at least, you know, recording for posterity that we're totally against this. So if our <laughs> children ask us in, you know, 20 years, where were you when this person got elected and ruined the entire world? Uh, we can say, look, here, see, look at this document of our clear position against this candidate. As they tap on the glass of the political prison that we're in, right? Yeah, exactly. But Grandpa, what happened? Yeah, they're calling us to the intercom. And, uh, so, Matt, let's dive into it. Uh, I want to actually discuss in depth why Donald Trump is bad. Okay, sure. Where, Where do, do you want to start? Do we want to talk? Do we want to start with uh, using facts and using uh, using lies? Like, I think I think the thing that conti- there's a couple of things that continually get me, but the one that just makes me think I'm living in a crazy world is when um, he or his surrogates or his campaign managers will just say a thing as if it's the truth, and it's like the most easily fact-checked thing. Like, all you have to do is have any sort of memory of the past five years. A really good example of this recently is the, uh, he didn't start the birther movement, Hillary Clinton started the birther movement, 
where you just go, I don't know, you're not going to pull that one on me because I've been alive for the past, when, when did he start this? Five years ago? Ten years ago? Like, I've been around for this whole time when you were doing this, so, like, that's not going to work. But he says it in a way that he makes it sound like he thinks he's saying uh, a fact that is true. But this happens over and over and over again, and it seems as though that It's works. effective. <laughs> yes. It seems to get the job done, hence all the people running around this country on news stations right now talking about how Obama is a Muslim, talking about how Obama did 9-11, talking about all sorts of things that are not at all founded in any fact whatsoever. Today, today I heard someone ask the question, where was Obama during 9-11? Not in the Oval Office, I wonder why. Mm-hmm, Which I yeah. think there's probably a really good it's a, answer it's a to that big, question. It's, that's a very important <laughs> question, Matt. We really got to be exploring these these things about our country we, we can't leave this information uh we gotta dig we gotta, we gotta get to the bottom of this being, maybe that was a more subtle question and they meant like 9 11 2009 and there was like another thing that sure, happened that day sure, and they were just yeah. wondering where he was that day he that's didn't, possible mean the more notable day where when he wasn't president but anyway i think he was implying that he thought obama was president then and he was responsible which again very easily fact-checked pretty sure he wasn't president then yeah and I, I tend to agree with you, Matt, in that I certainly disagree politically with nigh everything about Donald Trump's planned policies and political agenda. But I would never say that somebody who disagreed with me politically was objectively or undeniably bad uh, or right. wrong, right? Right. Uh, like, I would never say that of John McCain, of Mitt Romney. There are certainly things both these people have done that you could point to and be like, well, that particular thing was pretty bad. But in general, their whole person, their whole persona, is just somebody I disagree with. Uh, and I, I, I think you're onto something here, which is that the reason this is different is because of the different tone, uh, demeanor, and tact which the campaign has taken, which basically has really just polarized uh, the, the country, right? Uh, like it's, right. it's the most polarizing campaign that I've seen in my lifetime, which is not that long, admittedly. And it's polarized through rhetoric and propaganda that is almost always like the vast majority of the time not founded in truth or not you know truthy you know when they rate it on the politifact scale it's like well (laughs) mostly false like like you could come up with a way where maybe in some you know alternate reality this maybe makes sense but it's basically false uh and that's that seems dangerous to me it seems well It just, it's just that there's no way to argue with that. There's no conversation to be had um, when it seems like you have a different set of facts than the other person. Like, there's, there, there are times when I disagree with somebody, but I feel like my feet are still planted firmly on the ground because we both agree that these, these set of things are true, that the sky is blue, and then, then we can have a conversation from that point and we can disagree. And we can uh, speak logically, but when when the like the uh, saying that Hillary Clinton was the co-founder of ISIS or something, which is like that mm-hmm. is so yeah. far from reality. How, where do you start with it? Where do you start to have a conversation and either try to change someone's mind or they try to change your mind? Like, how is anybody going to do anything in that kind of environment? Yeah. And it seems to me that a significant portion of his supporters are people that are not going to be swayed by those arguments because that's not their value set, right? And that's another thing we've talked about in the show before, is that 
I don't think that everyone has to share the same values, right? I don't think there's one correct way to move about the world and determine, you know, what is right and what is right and what's wrong. Uh, we, we talked about astrology as a sort of different way to kind of parse through things in your life and why they're happening to you. We've talked about other ways in which you can move through the world. But the f- simple fact of moving through the world in the way in which many of his supporters seem to is that you are right, it leaves no room for any rebuttal. Um, which, interestingly, has always been my main reason to support something like the scientific method over something like any faith-based whatever. Because faith-based whatevers leave exactly no room for rebuttal. You just say, this thing happened because I said so, because this book says so, because the stars in the sky say so, and there's no room for any debate there. Right. Nothing ever gets better if nobody can be wrong about anything, which is the the scary part of of going into uh, someone controlling the entire country um, with that idea in mind, because I can only imagine, like, everything... Hey, even if everything goes great, but like there's no changing anything uh, when things are not going great, right? Like why would, why would anyone ever change course uh, if you just get to make up the facts about how probably how great you're doing no matter what happens and the world's on fire, but you get to say everything's awesome. This is great because I'm in charge. (laughs) How does anything get better? I don't know, but I'm glad you just said that there's no room for anything to improve if nobody can be wrong. Uh, Because I agree with that completely. And that is, in many ways, kind of like the foundations for why I'm interested in making this podcast with you. Uh, We're talking about all kinds of things, but I feel like a lot of people agree with you in the realm of science or in the realm of politics or in the realm of something like that. But I think that same thing also applies in art, in culture. Like if you want to collectively as a society get better at something get better at expressing something get better at recording something uh in a non-quantified way then i think there has to be room for people to be wrong which that ties into our overarching theme for the show but i do want to stay focused on this episode on this particular topic because i think it's an important one so matt do you think that donald trump is the problem or do you think that he is merely the fuzzy little orange manifestation of a much bigger problem so we clearly have a bigger problem, right? Like, I feel like we've lived in this world that has been building to this point where we just, like, kind of slowly, like, allowed ourselves to get Fox News into a place. And we're like, oh, yeah, they're just, you know, they're doing their um, dumb right-wing news thing. They just keep doing that. They make a lot of money. They, you know, whatever. But you Or that version, Breitbart or whatever, the more extreme versions of that. But there's been... And I will say, in in the sort of... In recognition of some semblance of uh, lack of bias, those same kind of publications exist on the other side of the aisle, right? Like there are things that are so skewed liberal that they are just as useless as a thing like Fox News or Breitbart. To a degree, I don't think there is. I don't. I, I honestly think it's a kind of false dichotomy to say that they're as extreme. Um, I I really want to be as objective as possible about that, and I totally understand that uh, a lot of people would make an opposing argument, but I really, really do not think that the what we would say is the equivalent on the other side like if you want to compare msnbc to fox news i don't think you're getting the same kind of uh either stretching of the truth or outright outright lying uh that you're seeing in uh, right-wing media and especially alt-right media so uh i i mean obviously there's 
I mean, of course, there's online versions of that that are like egregious, right? Like, I was gonna say you you didn't have conversations during the primaries with with Bernie supporters that basically sounded like Breitbartians just from the other side. Right. Okay, that's true. There is that version online, um, but I don't think if we're talking about just like cable news outlets, I don't think it's as egregious on the other side. That's possible. I, I don't follow i don't watch any of those shows so like, i don't I think, really know i think i don't think uh rachel maddow is at all comparable to a sean hannity at all i think that's completely unfair for example what you about what I mean? like uh what about like a john stewart as compared to a sean hannity or a, somebody like that in terms of just the part of the story that they choose to tell um i don't think i think john stewart is much more fair like no matter, <laughs> far 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 more fair and he's a comedian so well yes there's also that part yeah yeah okay so uh, leaving that aside, uh, we you say we've gotten Fox News into this hole. Uh, right, that we're trying where it's to come just back kind from. of like a slow beating of the truth until we're kind of now accepting. Like the Obama is a Muslim thing doesn't come from nowhere. Donald Trump didn't start that idea, right? Um, he rose out of it. Like I feel like he's like he's like the most supreme Fox News watcher. You know, he's like he watched it in his lair for years, and then he kind of emerged and said, "I will use all these tactics to my advantage." Um, so I think that was a long way of me saying, I don't think he is the manifestation of the problem, but oh my God, has he latched onto it and like really turned it into something horrifying. And, and, and that's what I'm asking really. Like, uh, it's definitely not that I think we can agree that it wasn't that everything was okay in America. (laughs) Everybody was fine. We didn't have problems with racism and with xenophobia and with reactionary like war-like tendencies and then all of a sudden this person came out of nowhere and injected this into everybody uh it's not that extreme uh, but you also, can say you can blame him for steering it in a direction right like you can that's the thing you can say i i mean look there's a th- similar thing that bernie sanders tapped into is that there were a lot of people that are angry uh but he didn't take it to a violent place or a racist place like there were certainly annoying bernie sanders supporters but it did not get taken to such a dark place because um, he didn't he didn't steer it that direction. Right. Like, I think. Yeah. I think there's the capability to point it in one direction or another. And if you want to fan the flames and make everyone very angry and like promote violence and promote racism, um, not only do you um, make it worse for the people who are maybe feeling a tinge of that or maybe not feeling it, just feeling anger in general and finding a place to steer it. But you also like you lift up the the wackos in the world like the the way that like david duke thinks it's okay to run for senate now um you lift those people up who always did feel that way and now they see someone they can latch on to and like feel like it's okay to say these things yeah and and the point i want to make a little bit about the extremism versus the political perspective is that you're absolutely right you know bernie sanders also uh, polarized people to a degree and also really engaged with a part of the population that felt unheard and, you know, gave them a voice and gave them something to rally around. And he, as you said, did not take it to the place where he was like, racist, we're going to build a wall, we're going to kill the Muslims out, that kind of stuff. My only point, which I want to recognize, is that to, oh, I don't know, about 40% of the country, the idea of kicking Muslims out and putting up a wall is not problematic at all. It is exactly what they've always wanted. And the idea of free college for everybody, for a bunch of, you know, people that are just going to latch on to the system and be freeloaders and take their tax dollars and waste them, that idea to them is just as bad as the idea to you and I is of kicking the Muslims out of, out of the country. And that's just something that I think is important to note that 
it's very easy for us, I think, from our perspective to sit over here and be like, oh, all these things are just bad and Bernie was maybe a little bit too extreme or whatever, but he was good uh, when actually like the country, if we like believe in democracy and we had an episode about democracy and talked about how I don't really believe in it necessarily. But if we assume that democracy is at least how we're going to run this election, then that's not the case. It's just two extremes. And mm-hmm. there isn't like a it's not that Donald Trump is more extreme. It's just that the way in which he's extreme is the opposite of where you and I lie, which makes it feel so much more extreme. because. You know, Bernie Sanders said some things that I was like, that doesn't sound practical, but that's still only a, you know, a little hop away from where I may sit on this spectrum, whereas I have to cross a vast canyon to arrive at where Donald Trump is. But for some people, it's the, it's the opposite of that. Yeah, okay. I get what you're saying. If you, if you ignore your moral compass, there is... We're just looking at two extremes. But my, my, my only point about that, I'm just... I'm just I, I, my point about that is that... I don't think the extremism is why Donald Trump is a problem. Does that, does that make sense? Yes. You could, you could be extreme about, um, I don't even really, yeah, I guess I, I have a hard time even thinking of like Bernie as all that extreme. Like I think he tapped into people who are frustrated, but uh, I don't think of him as all that extreme. Like I think maybe just in comparison to what America is now. I mean, again, sitting on the same spectrum with you, I would agree yeah. with you, right? Like. He wanted to implement things that are already in place in most of Europe, in Canada, in other countries that are, you know, similar to us across the, the world in terms of their uh, economic contributions and the stability of the nation. Mm-hmm. And yes, it's very easy for me to say this is not in, this is not extreme. This is just clear, like clear direction of progress. But to most of the country, that may not be the case or to a very big part of the country. Maybe it's not the case, which is which, my, my whole point about that is only to say that. I don't think extremism is why Donald Trump is a problem, uh, because extremism is just in a vacuum doesn't mean anything. Uh, So I'm saying that I don't think his policies are why we can say he's objectively bad, right? Like if you just, I can't even say those words out of my mouth, though, because some of his policies are just racist, right? Like, yeah, to say it's a political agenda, like, sure, you know, it's all blurry lines, though, right? Because some things are very obvious. Like, we're going to put a ban on all Muslims entering the country. That's just completely idiotic, right? It, it completely misunderstands what a Muslim person is, <laughs> it completely misunderstands what America is and who currently lives here, and it misunderstands the problem that America thinks it has with terrorism and with uh, extreme uh, religious groups that want to do us harm. It misunderstands everything and is so blatantly just detrimental to the public that it seems like a no-brainer. But on on that same spectrum, I would argue that every political decision is on that spectrum. It's just not not all of them are just cranked up to 10 as that particular political one is. So while I said earlier, you know, I wouldn't say that John McCain or Mitt Romney was objectively bad or wrong, if you look at what they proposed to do in regards to their international policies or with regards to, you know, domestic policies, I would say that, yes, like changing healthcare so that, you know, less people get supported is just wrong in the same way that not raising the minimum wage is wrong, uh, just like not letting Muslims enter the country is wrong. It's just that not letting Muslims enter the country is at like 13 on the scale and not raising the minimum wage is at like four on the scale. And so I, I'm struggling right now with myself as to why another candidate for whom I disagree with on policies is not a problem, whereas 
Donald Trump for being extreme all of a sudden seems like a problem to me. Right. Well, the other thing about it is that <clears throat> in some cases, he's not even like his policies. It's a, it's a hard thing to say policies in general because he changes them so often. It's really hard to know what they are. He doesn't are. Like, really have them in can, a lot of scenarios. Like it's, you can go to his website and you can read the basic policies and they're kind of like, I mean, to be totally honest, beyond the wall one, there's a lot of them that's just like general Republican stuff, right? Like things that they've been talking about for a really long time. Yeah, I feel like he kind of just filled in the gaps, right? He had these right, things he, which he either felt that he cared about, question mark, or felt would resonate with the people that whom he wanted to resonate with. Right. And those become the flagship policies. And then, you know, the rest is just, sure, I'm on the Republican ticket. So here, this is how I feel about whatever, you know, minutia. Yeah. So in some ways, they're like, there are policies that I think you could say, you could think of, for example, like, um, or sorry, like, so you could imagine policies that are like uh, the equivalent of building a wall, but it's just like, um, beefing up border patrol, making sure that less immigrants come into the country, um, and they like effectively like are equivalently racist, right? Like you could you could uh, propose the exact same things, um, and many Republicans have, right? Not necessarily building a gigantic wall, and isn't it going to be so huge and beautiful? But like you know, George Bush put up a lot of fencing, whatever. Um, but it's the words he uses around them a lot of times that makes them, I don't know if it makes them seem worse. It makes them actually worse. Um, but he, he will say things that like you could, you could implement. It would have the same effect whether you said it in the kind of dog whistly way that Republicans have been saying for a long time, but he just chooses to say it in like a blatantly racist way. Um, and I don't know if that means that more people pay attention and notice that it's wrong or people are like, or just brings out people that had racist feelings to begin with, and now they feel like they get to say it out loud. Um, I don't know what the result is of that, but that is something that gets me. Um, and I realize that's like, it, it makes me think like I should have been more offended earlier. Do you ever see stuff like that where, where oh. the, the language is now just more clear and you're like, honestly, I should have just been more upset four years ago, eight years ago when very similar policies were being talked about. Um, but it was called like the Americans for Freedom Initiative, and yeah, you're like, right. "Well, okay, Americans for Freedom Initiative, I, gu I guess." Um, no, I that if there's any if there's any silver lining to this just cloud of garbage, it is that I think a lot of people, kind of in like your and my uh, communities, like our spectrum on the like political world, um, and maybe people that are white people that haven't been exposed to things like systematic racism in their day-to-day -day life and haven't ever thought about it before. For the mm. first time, I think maybe more people are waking up to the fact that, like, yeah, the country's racist. <laughs> like, like, the fact that 40% of the country supports this person is quantified evidence of what minorities and women have been saying for years that um, some people have been, if not eager to ignore, it's been very easy to not listen to it because that experience has not been borne out uh, by people like us. But now it's like, I'm, I'm seeing a lot of white people now talk more about these issues because this is a thing that you can no longer deny. There's no room left to pretend that this is not a problem because of how fine a point Donald Trump has put on it. So yes, to answer, to answer your question, I feel like the more I think about it, the more the seeds and the less extreme versions of these policies are things that I should have been furious about and didn't have the uh, attention span, didn't have the focus, didn't have the exposure to be mad about. And now I'm mad about them. So that's a bright side, I guess. The but, other, but, but still, though, the thing, the thing I notice now often if I'm watching interviews with 
his supporters is like it seems as if their view is racism or people who are racist are just people who are more racist than I am. Like it's so completely relative that like you're like, oh, maybe the point isn't getting across at all. It's like, well, yeah, I'm saying this stuff, but like, you know, I I don't like assault people. You're like, what? well, yeah, that that's the thing is I feel like there is specifically with the issue of racism. People in a big part of the country think that racism means I think less of people that are not white, right? And mm-hmm. I honestly don't think very many individuals actively think less of somebody that is not white. I don't think that's what racism looks like in America right now. What racism is, are these systems that were put in place and have been churning and spinning for decades and decades and decades that have changed the rules, changed the stakes made it so everybody starts at this different place and has totally different expectations placed upon them. And the, the diabolic power of white supremacy is that it gives you the ability at the end of the day to go, well, no one person along this chain of ways in which you've been disenfranchised can we say, can we directly blame, right? Like, no one came out and just shouted the N-word at you. Uh, it's just that slowly over time, uh, all of these things added up to a huge disadvantage in, in this country, which is not to minimize the active racism that does exist there are still people that will shout the emirate at you and will threaten to lynch you and be absolutely horrible in a way that nobody well not nobody almost nobody would condone but there are so many people in this other chunk that just think well i'm not a racist i'm not going to lynch people i don't know anybody that lynches people therefore racism is not a thing anymore uh which is a really really dangerous way to think about that problem so i don't know how to get that part across that like it's also it's also the subtlety has been completely lost that like um things like these two things can be true things are getting better whether you mean about race in the country or just the country in general and also things need to continue to get better (laughs) and things are still very 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 bad right like it doesn't just because uh like we don't have jim crow laws anymore that does not mean we're done right and that does not mean things aren't bad that doesn't mean we don't have a problem let's say, with policing. That doesn't mean that we don't have a problem with... Public um, education, with... Islamophobia, or whatever you want to, you know, if, with... Uh, with the structure of our cities, with real estate laws, with, yeah, with, with all sorts of things, yeah. Like, there are still so many, many, many problems that need to be solved. And it's actually interesting to me that... Uh, he's running on this, you know, platform of Make America Great Again, which is still confusing to me because it feels like the great time he's alluding to is what pre nine eleven. Is that? Oh, what he's... I always thought he was like trying to paint like a fake nineteen, like a fake nineteen fifties picture of America. But he the... hasn't talked about that at all, right? Like he hasn't. There hasn't been any rhetoric about like the nostalgia for suburban, you know, baby boomer America. Like well, I, I, I don't say feel that. Like you used to be able to just. I, I can't remember what it was, but it was something like. You know, you used to just be able to hit a guy if you disagreed with him or something. You know, like things like that allude to not a time 10 years ago, but a time quite a long time ago. Sure, like the 1910s when (laughs) assault was how you dealt with problems. But yeah, like the idea that like all of a sudden uh, you middle class white people who are the supporters of Donald Trump, if you look at the numbers, that's one thing that like if I had to dilute and like just really focus my the like crux of my argument for why no one should vote for donald trump it's that everyone in the black community has already agreed that no one should vote for donald trump 
right? He is polling at, I believe, under 1% of, of black Americans. Yeah, the last time I checked, it was effectively zero. Like, which, it's within the, margin, within the margin of error of zero. Which, so, I don't know how, if you are not in that community of people, and you look at those numbers, you don't think, gosh, there really must be something I'm missing if <laughs> literally no one, basically, uh, I shouldn't say literally, because that's not what literally hey, ben means. Ben Carson. Effectively, no one uh, is going to support this person. Uh, maybe it's because... And, you know, I saw a video a couple of days ago where someone described it very well. It was a person that was a chair of the Democratic Committee uh, in some, some county, and she was a black woman. And she basically said, like, the, the racist, like, overtones of the things that he says don't hit white ears the same way they hit our ears. Even if he's not talking about us, right? He's talking about Muslims. He's talking about building a wall. But when we, as black people, hear that kind of rhetoric, it, it means a lot it has a way different meaning to us than it does to people that have never been on the receiving end of those kinds of systemic problems, uh, which I think is a good way to maybe summarize that. At least that's a, that's a perspective that makes sense to me. Uh, I don't know if that's actually the reason why uh, he's polling so low among black Americans, but uh, that to me, if I had to dilute it down, would be the reason. Like, that's just the, that's the reason right there. Like, we don't have to agree on whether Muslims should be kicked out of the country or not, a uh, person I'm debating in my mind, but can we not agree that if this giant chunk of the population has unilaterally uh, decided this is not, this can't happen, that maybe us as white people putting this upon them is some act of aggression. So I feel like this whole make America great again thing has been this magic trick that Donald Trump has pulled where he has made middle America, like the white populations in middle America, all of a sudden feel like they are the victims of something. Uh, and that something may be like, liberal too progressive things where everyone's too uptight and you know talking about racism all the time and that's something maybe terrorists that hate our freedom and want to destroy us but this idea that and here's the other thing that's a little bit strange to me by almost every measurable metric like the obama administration has been very good for america like this idea that everything is in the toilet and that we have to make it better the only thing i, I feel from it is that he seems to be alluding to in my mind a pre-9-11 America, and he's basically selling the idea that, what if that never happened? Like, what if we just, you know, go back to the 90s uh, when everything was easy and great, and uh, this whole thing that turned our entire country upside down and changed the way that we thought about ourselves in relationship to the rest of the world wasn't the case. And instead, we just remove all of the shades of complexity, which make it difficult to understand, difficult to talk about, and we just say, these people are the enemy? We're going to destroy them, just as we did in World War I and World War II, and then we're going to move on with being America again. Yeah. Uh, which, is such a, it's such a trick that he's been able to sell that so convincingly. The, th this, is an, this leads into another one of the problems, which this is not unique to Donald Trump at all, but it is, an, it is a frustration, is that um, the problems that he points out and talks about um, almost across the board are not things that, like, if you were to look at the numbers, um, if you were to look at their actual effects on America, don't, like, don't really cause that many problems. Like, um, if we're talking about immigration, uh, people coming across the border from Mexico, not that big a problem. In fact, in the, in the last couple of years, millions of Mexicans have gone back to Mexico. Um, it's not, uh, the, the illegal immigrant problem is, like, a perceived problem. It's not really that huge an issue. Um, and I, I think I think the people who are like 
who are attaching to it are just it's just a feeling like it's a feeling of other that i don't like it's not a feeling it's not a like look at the numbers oh my god there are so many people coming to the country we can't possibly financially support this problem because that doesn't exist right it's the it's a it's a powerful feeling though and that's that's what makes me feel like i must in the same way that i just mentioned that somebody that looks that thinks that donald trump is great looks to the fact that nobody in the black community supports him and doesn't think why i must be missing something in the same way i look at the fact that i look at the numbers like you said of how america has been trending uh, over mm-hmm. the past 8 years i look at you know articles and you know investigative research about some of these problems and investigative journalism and i assume because 40% of the country is so mad that donald trump seems like a solution that there must be something i'm completely out of touch with right uh, and I've, I think that all the time I've, I've, I've read a couple of books recently for that reason, thinking like, I, I got to figure out what is happening. Like what world do I live in? I got to figure this out. Um, and I don't know how to reconcile that. Cause I still feel like I'm missing something. And uh, it, there's a couple parts to that, right? Like there have been overall trends that are hard to ignore trends. Like the fact that robotics and overseas production have continued to take over what we used to think of as like the American way, which was making stuff here, uh, which we don't do much of anymore. And so if there are people that are feeling, and certainly there are victims of that, right? Like there are people who have suffered because of that change in the way the world works. Sure. Uh, So latching onto that seems like a powerful thing to do. Um, There is also this idea, which uh, for a while, um, I used to think of the kind of, as I became more woke, as you might say, uh, socially or politically or whatever, um, specifically to like issues of systematic racism, there was this idea that, you know, some people will try and tell white people like, don't worry, you're not losing anything. We're just trying to, you know, bring everyone else up to the sort of level of privilege and opportunity that you already enjoy. Uh, as white people but lately i've been reading some more things and my opinion has kind of changed which is like no we we definitely are losing something as the as the uh class in power as we shift to try and make things more even right and we try and actually make up for all of the horrible systematic problems we've kind of built into this country and it's good we should be losing that thing because what we're getting out of it is, is better but people that feel like they're losing something because you know, because of something like affirmative action or because of something like, uh, you know, uh, trends or, or policies or politics that are pushing for diversity in different places. Uh, if, if white people feel like they're losing something, I'm not very open to the idea that, yes, you are losing something. And guess what? You're just going to have to get over it. And if this is something else he's latching on to, right, this idea that people feel like things are getting worse for me. And if you don't force yourself to try and think outside of your own experience getting worse for me just feels like things are getting worse even if you look at the numbers and that's not the case uh if it feels like things are getting worse because things are getting worse for you then that's another powerful thing that he i think is latched onto right just to clarify what you're saying you're not saying that things are actually getting worse it's like the perceived gap between you and someone else because it's not so great uh is now like no i'm uh, open to the idea that for white people things are actually getting a little bit worse okay like before, See that I'm not sure is that I don't think that's real though like 
like only white people specifically things are actually getting worse as opposed to just like sometimes things across the board get worse or sometimes the gap in privilege changes like do you think things are actually getting worse or it's just a a perceived problem that like i mean so maybe a better way to put it is i think that many hopefully and fingers crossed i hope this change is happening i hope that in many places uh let's say white heterosexual men are losing what was previously an unfair advantage and that is a real loss right like okay, all right per- perhaps in the 50s and 60s uh and 70s 80s 90s it was <laughs> it was much easier as a mediocre white man to go and get a decent job because it was way more acceptable to you know judge people based on their name or their resume or to uh, make assumptions about who could and couldn't do what and to hire somebody that looked like you and talked like you. And uh, I, I'm open to the idea that there actually is loss happening there. And I'm definitely not turning this into a white people are the victim situation because, again, this was perhaps an unfair advantage that we had at some point that in order for us to proceed into the future as society, we need to recognize and remedy. Uh, but I think I'm saying that only to say that I don't want to invalidate someone else's feeling that maybe they're losing something and right. for trump to latch onto that seems like a savvy thing for him to do right like uh, that's something that i think may be happening i think should happen but it also represents a place where he can actually latch on and say all right yeah you're losing something that's not okay that's wrong you're losing something because something is wrong in america and we have to do these things to get back to the place where you're not losing that thing anymore and what he doesn't recognize is that marginal that sliver of loss of slight unfair advantage for one chunk of the population represents so much suffering and horrible oppressive uh policies that have held down a other giant chunk of the population like we have to recognize there is this trade-off and if trump is willing to say well you know look mathematically there's enough white people i don't have to get a single black vote and i can still win the presidency that's dangerous right and, and that's that could be a very reasonable way he's going about it right okay that that I understand and makes sense. Like it's it's just one of those things where, um, talking about that that marginal change, or I still kind of see it as as a perceived change, but I don't I don't have enough information to say, right? So I don't know. Um, and to be clear, I it don't just think- feel so gross. You know what I mean? It just feels so gross to say that someone else gaining essentially just someone else gaining some human rights, right? is uh is detrimental to other people right someone else getting the equality that they deserve is detrimental to other people that's just so yeah but that's one of those where it's just like in the same way i'm saying like the language that he uses even if he's saying the same thing the language just is it makes me so mad is the same one it's the same thing it's just like i get uh, it okay yeah maybe you're right but you're still a gross person now no i i get it and and to like make it a little more extreme to maybe underline why i think that's maybe actually what's happening like, look at slavery and when slavery was abolished. I think no one would argue that plantation owners, their life didn't get worse, right? Like, <laughs> okay, like yeah. stuff got way worse for people that previously were getting completely free labor uh, and didn't have to pay for those things, right? right. Uh, that is a worse that had to happen. That should have happened because that way in which your life was good before, that was built on oppressing other people. Right. Uh, I'm saying that to a similar, in a similar way, but to a lesser degree is what I think we're still going through the process of, right? Like the idea before that I would have been considered far more qualified for a job because I 
I'm a white man. And still today, like this is not over. Like, we haven't solved this problem, but I'm saying as we solve it, I am very open to the idea that uh, privileged people are actually losing something because, and it's, it's okay. We, we need to lose it. We need to get over it because again, our privilege comes at the cost of oppression of so many other people. But that is to say that I don't think the way to go about having these conversations is to just insist over and over again that these people aren't losing something that he's tapping into because right. they, they clearly feel it very strongly, right? Like whether the facts support it, whether the data supports it or not, it's clearly a very strong feeling. And I think there may be more ground to be gained by opening ourselves up to the idea that, okay, maybe you are losing something, but let's convince you that there is a bigger picture and that it is worth it. And that if we, <laughs> if we think about the country as a whole, fast forward 40 years and we are all going to be better off, believe it or not. Uh, like right. it's, it's better for all of us collectively. And that oftentimes is more important than the individual. I guess another thing that uh, I don't know how to handle is like, how do you talk to somebody who has a feeling that's very strong that is not either not based on any fact at all or is based on like a tiny, like someone who's like terrified of terrorism, right? And you can say, well, I mean, think of the acts that happened. How many people you know? Yeah, exactly. Think of the acts that happened in the past 10 years, uh, or maybe you're specifically terrified of like Islamic terrorism. Okay, well, what that's basically just how we like we only call it terrorism when it's when it's a person of uh well basically basically any brown person right like we yeah. that we call terrorism and then um a white kid shooting up a church is like a person with a mental disorder oh it's just a <laughs> madman it's a it's a rogue uh, agent a lone wolf sure so like we can point to the facts that say like well you should probably be more terrified of like white kids than you should be of islamic terrorists you should be more and terrified of don't... teens of getting in your car and driving down the highway of uh accidentally being shot by a gun instead of intentionally terroristed by a gun uh there's so many things that statistically you should be more afraid of but you're right matt yeah. but i when... don't think i don't think that you have to be any i don't think you have to be an extreme anything to like have that perception that like islamic terrorism is a is a is a thing that's happening in the world and it's everywhere i think all you have to do is turn on any news channel and you could you could feel that way right mm -hmm. so what do you how do you talk to somebody about that when the facts when facts don't work and we have a really strong feeling about something and that's going to drive everything how what do you do with that i don't know i thought a lot about this because uh i'm optimistic that hillary clinton will win the election on november 8th and everything will be fine but I'm also, I don't want to get to November 9th and be like, Jesus, I was complacent for the past three months and look what's happened now, like, and feel like I could have done something else. So I spend a fair amount of free cycles in my brain thinking about how, how to have that conversation, Matt, because you're right. Uh, and I should say, I, I don't think it's, I think the number of people that vote based on what you and I would call logic on either side of the aisle is probably a lot lower than makes us comfortable. Uh, right. I think people and I think that's why I tried to say I don't think that that part of it is unique to Donald Trump the no taking a small problem and making it feel like a big problem yeah and the feeling is is really the thing right uh, and then that's where like the subtle sexism of people that probably just don't feel okay about a woman holding the most powerful uh, you know office in the country and the way that feeling manifests itself is look she's sick she's basically dead she's got AIDS like that kind of stuff to me feels like the sexism of, I don't feel like a woman can hold a powerful office. And so when she coughs, I'm going to talk about how it looks like she's on death's door and, you know, all these other kind of things that come up when you talk about criticisms of Hillary Clinton. Um, 
So one option is to try and speak in the same language, right? So someone says, I feel that Obama's a terrorist. I feel that terrorism is the biggest problem facing us as the United States right now. I feel that immigrants are pouring over the borders and taking all our jobs. And that's why I am losing something. That's why America is no longer great. That's what we have to get back. Maybe you put aside all of the facts <laughs> that is so tempting for someone like you or I, Matt, to jump in and say, but wait, look at this graph. Uh, you, maybe you put that aside and instead you say, here is how I feel about your candidate. Here's how I feel about the normalization of hate. And I feel about the fact that we're getting to a place where uh, we are finding a scapegoat for everything instead of actually addressing problems head on. Uh, maybe talking in terms of feeling is something that's going to be effective for some people. I don't know. Um, I also think it's difficult but important to listen, right? Like, so many of these arguments are arguments of... I, I, I may or may not have people in my immediate family that are supporting Donald Trump. Uh, and when I... They may or may not live in a swing state. And when I think about... <laughs> This problem, I'm thinking about these specific kind of scenarios, and like the people that I have access to in my life that support Donald Trump, they, it's not that they're, they're not what I would kind of put in the bin of like wild folks, where they're like, Obama's a terrorist. Like, they're not Wait, there. Wait, was that what Hillary said? The bin of wild folks? Uh, I, I've been trying not to say crazy anymore. Uh, so I'm using wild instead. Okay. Um, the people that, they're not off their rocker right they're, they're not the people that make really good clips for like the daily show where they'll say that obama's a terrorist and where was he on 9-11 uh they're not these people uh these people are just people i know people i'm related to that feel that things are not okay and they don't care to quantify that uh and they feel like we need a change like this whole like we just we need some kind of change and the fact that Hillary Clinton is some insider and Donald Trump is an outsider that philosophically is good for the country just to have an outsider kind of come in and just, you know, wreck up what's going on in Washington. Um, and so, yeah, I don't know how to talk about that because when you say you want change and I say, but wait, look at what this change agent has proposed. Look at what this change is going to mean if we're to believe the things coming out of his mouth. Uh, don't you think that's a problem? And the answer is, well, no then uh, I don't know. I don't know how to have this conversation. Yeah. The, I mean, at that point, I can only, like, cr come up with analogies in my own brain that just, but then they don't make any sense. You're like, okay, all right. So we've got, we've got a bad babysitter. She just keeps, she keeps doing a poor job. Uh, and so instead, I'm just tired of all babysitters. They all stink. So we're going to hire an angry grizzly bear to look after the kids. Never done it before, though. Well, th uh, this, is, this is like you're having trouble at work, but for some reason you think it's the babysitter's fault that you don't like your job, and so you fire the babysitter and you decide that you're going to let the kids raise themselves or something. <laughs> like, there's, so much, there's so much disconnect between the things people are mad about and the policies that affect those things, right? Yeah. Because that's the thing. Even if, let, let's, let's kind of go to the extreme and assume that the person in America that feels like they have lost economic opportunity, they have lost uh, prosperity, they've lost standing in their community, uh, either literally or figuratively. Let's assume that person is completely in the right. On the books, the, like, Donald Trump makes shirts in China. Like, he has outsourced his business forever because it made economic sense because he's a business person. Like, even if you assume those are the things that are really valuable to you, on the books, the policies of a liberal candidate 
are going to benefit you far more than the policies of a conservative candidate. The conservative candidate is going to say, why didn't you pull yourself up by your bootstraps, right? God, I'm getting so mad talking about this because, you know, you saw the video of that supporter, a Trump supporter that said, if things aren't going well for black people for the past 50 years, it's their own fault and it's time someone told them that. And yet, this candidate is running on the premise that everything is wrong for you, but it's not your fault. It's everyone else's fault. And yet those people are so willing to say that uh, the lack of economic prosperity in black communities is the fault of people for not just for not going to work on time or doing whatever. Like, there's so much doublespeak and contradiction that it drives me mad. I feel the same way. I feel that way all the time. I, yeah, I don't know what to do. Like, I feel like we're, we're losing the conversation on whether something is good or bad because it seems pretty obvious it's more just about trying to understand look this podcast how is someone else can perceive thin, good. this podcast is a thin construct to allow us to talk about whatever we want and this week we're talking about donald trump <laughs> yes i i do want to bring true. bring it back to like you know i said earlier that i thought the extremism wasn't the reason why he's bad but i kind of have to roll that back a little bit because like i said i don't have a problem in the same way with other conservative candidates who may have similar policies but don't you know it don't take it to the extreme that he takes it. I, I, think, I really think the biggest problem with Donald Trump is the normalization and like making acceptable his way of dealing with the world, which is right. hate, right? Right. Like his, his, his way of not approaching things from... And to, to be fair, I recognize not everyone is, has values logic and values reason the same way that you and I do. And I, I don't want to make a value proposition about that right now. But I do think it's important if you're somebody that is making policies for the entire country that you not just rely on your own feelings and bias and it seems clear to me that that is the the hook upon which the entire campaign he is running is hung right Right. he feels like immigration is a problem he feels like muslims can't be trusted he feels all these things and get that graph out of here because we're talking about feelings and this is important uh like that's a thing and and i guess here here's the thing i can say about the like i feel away part um, I do think there there are things that I feel a way about that numbers would not sway me in. I do. I, I'm willing to admit that. And there are things yeah, like admit that too. giving people equality and giving people human rights. Um, you could show me that it's like objectively bad for the country. You give everybody now has an equal voice. And guess what? It's now now everybody's making less money or something. Right. I don't think I'm going to change my mind that I think equal rights for everyone is a good idea. So there are things that like. I I do think feelings matter, right? I think the the feeling that 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 uh, equality across the board, human rights are the right thing to do, um, doesn't have to be. That one doesn't have to be logical. Like you could try to you could try to prove it the other way. It could be totally true, and I still would feel like that's gotta that's gotta be something we strive for. Yeah, and I I'm a person. I very strongly feel that when I talk about using like reason and logic, I don't just mean like graphs and charts, right? Because I feel very strongly that statistics can be weaponized and almost always are completely biased in some way, right? Like statistics, even if they're completely true, give you 100% accuracy on the tiniest sliver of the problem you're talking about, right? Right. Like you talk about the income of people in certain neighborhoods and it's like, okay, this graph may be 100% true, but as soon as anyone talks about that graph, they immediately start subconsciously making leaps that you can't make because that graph only gives you this one little tiny data point. So you look at the income of uh, people in different neighborhoods and people start making assumptions about 
where crime might be. And it's like, no, 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 you don't get to do that because this is not a graph of crime. This is a graph of income. And they make assumptions about where people can afford to buy iPhones. And it's like, no, no, you don't get to do that either because maybe some people in these neighborhoods where they don't make as much money really value having a smartphone. And so you don't get to assume that this is a neighbor that can afford an iPhone, this is this neighbor that can't. You don't get to assume anything. You get to know this is where the income is in these neighborhoods. And so when I, when I talk about like, I, which is all to say, Matt, that I have many times in my life seen a graph, seen a chart that I believe was 100% true and still said, no, that's not, right. that's not what I subscribe to because of X reason. So I'm not into that either. In, in an attempt at understanding is not to say that like, I will always change my mind if I see a chart so I can understand a little bit why someone else would not if it's a thing they feel very strongly about. The thing, you know, the joke I made to you on Slack today was like, hey, Andy, I thought of a really great protest sign. Um, Donald Trump is racist. Oh, also racism is bad. Um, it makes me think like, do, like, do we need to also like talk about morality? Like what, like, like just things that seem to be really basic concepts that maybe we need to emphasize a little bit harder and make sure everybody feels this way. Like that's that. Maybe. I mean, like, cause, cause we are, I think we're, I don't know if we're talking as much about um statistics as we are talking about just like everyone's moral compass and we're like incredibly disturbed that people seem to be pointed the other direction um in our opinion the wrong direction and here's what i'll say about that you know let's assume the polls are right and 40 percent of the country currently supports trump 40 percent of the voting country uh and here i am making leaps and bounds based on a graph and assuming things uh but (laughs) let's take that as read for the purposes of this particular conversation i don't think even the majority of those people look at a comment like we're going to put a ban on muslims entering the country and think that's racist i don't think a lot of people look at that comment and think he's even serious i think there's a lot of people that would just say donald's joking why can't you take a joke and you could point to where he said in an interview no i'm not joking and think we should do it and they would say yeah well if he got elected that wouldn't actually happen that's just he's you know speaking his mind and that's you know his own kind of way of expression there are so many ways to distance yourself from the like pure racism of a statement like that and the ways in which you distance yourself are ways in which you give yourself leeway on your moral code, which is to say that I do think racism is a big problem in this country. I think there are a lot of people that see him say, we're keeping Muslims out and say, good, good riddance. Those people are terrorists. Uh, I think those people exist. I also think there's a majority, a, a less loud, a not as going to as many rallies majority that just says, oh, that thing he said doesn't matter, right? Because yeah. of X reason. Or that thing's not racist. He meant terrorist, but he said Muslims, like whatever. They, there's some way to distance yourself from it. And so I think for me, it's not as much a situation of me all of a sudden being worried that uh, the entire country's moral compass is skewed, um, which it is probably. But I'm more concerned about the fact that uh, we're willing to accept this kind of rhetoric and that it's proving successful, right? He is at once succeeding in uh, capturing and polarizing the extremist vote while also not offending the less extreme vote somehow, right? Like his message is hitting both parts of that uh, in a way which is scary, scary to watch. I do, I have a, I do have a question about, about that. I, I, I wonder if you have a, a, an idea about, like it seems like there are so many things that he does and says um, that 
either would be disqualifying for somebody else or have been disqualifying for people in the past. Oh my goodness gracious. Like, yes. like, I mean, do you remember when Howard Dean just like yelled? <laughs> I was going to bring up the Howard Dean yell. <laughs> like, remember he just yelled funny one time and then he wasn't allowed yeah. to be president? Yeah. <laughs> like, uh, that like so that was a standard i don't know if that was a standard for a person or a standard of a time or a standard for a party but there there are just such so many examples of like far less um or like a political candidate like cheating on their spouse or a political well for mitt romney it was basically his his what is it um 53 percent whatever number uh comment he made right uh in a in a supposedly private setting that someone recorded yeah, um, that I mean, seems it's, like there's a lot of these pretty... things, and, and I don't know ultimately how much you can really say that you know that specific thing is what cost so and so the election. But I definitely think it is inarguable that there is a huge double standard at play here, right? Uh, like the way that people hound Hillary Clinton for something like this email quote unquote scandal, or for coughing during a press conference, or for having the audacity to insist that maybe some people that support this candidate are deplorable. Uh, the way those things have become these like earth-shattering headlines, whereas, like you said, Donald Trump calling people deplorable would be you, you wouldn't even wouldn't even no no reporter would write it down. You, that's called like, Thursday. Like that's yeah. No, he, okay, he'll he do called that Hillary Clinton the founder of ISIS. Like you you don't even write down when he says people are deplorable, and then simultaneously he comes out with this big. I, I don't know if you saw his response uh, at a press conference or whatever. He was speaking somewhere. Actually, he was speaking in Baltimore when he gave this response. Uh, where he talked about how it was completely unacceptable that Hillary Clinton called some of his supporters deplorable and how she's being disrespectful to the American people. And it's like, it's crazy making that you say that, and then you also say we're building a wall. This Mexican judge can't judge me because he's Mexican, therefore he's, he's not going to judge me fairly, and we're banning Muslims from the country. But Hillary Clinton, you can't say that people that support me are deplorable, uh, right? Like, that double standard is so real and I, I find it very hard to believe that somebody couldn't even the, accept that right right the people who were very upset about the idea of political correctness in the world um are very upset about the politically incorrect statements that hillary clinton are, is making absolutely so, yeah yeah okay and then he uh, won't release his you know tax records and her forty thousand emails are hillary is the least transparent candidate of all time yeah even though all these emails ended up completely in the hand of all the journalists and now are being read and, and parsed through like like against her will she's been as more transparent than anybody in, in history uh so yeah it's uh it's an insane amount of double standards and, and that it comes right back to like this is not uh, this is not a rational thing i bet a lot of right, people would stare thing. would stare you in the eye and you would say you're being excessively unfair to Hillary Clinton. They would go, you're damn right I'm being unfair to Hillary Clinton. She's X, right? Uh, I don't think there's any qualms amongst a big chunk of his supporters about that. I think they just, they, they don't, he has roused this idea that we shouldn't be politically correct. We shouldn't uh, rely on numbers. We shouldn't do any of these things. We should say whatever we're thinking and whatever you're thinking is justified unless you're against us. And then whatever yeah. you're thinking is the most horrible thing we've ever heard. Uh, and it's, 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 it's a thing. All right, I, I want to go a different direction, unless you have something else to say about this. No, I could, I could go in a circle on this forever. So why don't you please Yeah, I do feel like we're going direction. a little bit in a circle. So I'm going to kick us off to a new track. Uh, but yeah, he's a bad man. Um, <laughs> here's a question for you, Matt. Yeah. I think both you and I are justifiably scared at what the world could look like if he was actually to win this nomination right i mean sorry, well, not nomination. If, if he wins the presidency 
Does that mean that we don't have appropriate checks and balances in our government, right? Like, I think both... I have thought about that a lot. Like, like if... Because to me, it means that someone far worse... Like, it's hard to imagine, but there has been such a thing in the world. Someone far worse comes along, and they can rise to power, too. Like, this is just the first... Uh, this is just enabling that behavior. This is enabling that kind of person. And, like... <laughs> it does i mean it does make me think sometimes like maybe democracy not the best idea and and that it's interesting you took it that way because i actually meant a different thing i actually think if he was to become president he would do such a terrible job uh that after four years he would be long gone and we would kind of have to like it move ourselves to a significantly different track yeah um, but, but te- i don't but, know what that but i don't know that terrible job means anything anymore when you can just like like the Republicans act like George Bush didn't happen. Like you're, you're allo- apparently now you're just allowed to like, uh, like, like literally everything that George Bush did, people just blame Obama for. And you're like, oh, you just get to make up whatever history you want. Yeah, that is so wouldn't true. the end of the Trump campaign just be like, if it was bad, it was Obama's fault. And if it was good, well, then it's Trump's Trump was the king. Trump was Trump was the best. Like, I don't think I'm not sure that that history or facts matter in political debate after a Trump presidency. Yeah, that's a pretty terrifying proposition. Uh, but the question I was actually asking is, is there too much power in the office of the president if we actually think that one individual in our entire system of government could cause so much harm that we're as afraid as we are? Yeah, so I have heard, I've heard two sides of this. I've heard the one, which is the president doesn't actually have that much power. There's not that much to be worried about. He's just a figurehead and Congress would stop him from doing anything crazy. But I've also well, heard... Just a figurehead seems like a really extreme version of that. Uh, like, definitely you have the nuclear codes. Like, uh, you are the commander in chief. Like, I think some people do misunderstand the role of the presidency. Uh, but things like Supreme Court nominations, uh, like that kind of stuff, that really is a power you have. Right. Well, I mean, I'm I'm characterizing the like extreme. It's not a big deal version. Okay. Like, sure. The almost nihilistic version of it. Um, there's also the version which is, um, you get to at least nominate the Supreme Court. I mean, we are seeing a case right now where a nomination is essentially being blocked by an action. Right. So I guess that yeah. can happen. Um, but you get to nominate a Supreme Court justice. You have access to the nuclear codes. Um, and executive order. Like I was listening to a podcast with some of the Obama speechwriters. And they were talking about how Obama has used executive order. And I'm think, listening to it thinking like, oh, okay. So he actually gets some stuff done that we want to get done. That's great. And then they start talking about how, how about Trump and like what happens if he gets elected. And they're like, well, I mean, Obama has shown us that we can use executive order for pretty powerful things. And Trump could do exactly the same thing. Um, and they talked about his like his first, I can't remember what it was, first 20 days or something or his first, first next days in office. And he has like essentially a plan of executive orders to reverse everything that was good about the Obama presidency. So there's part of me that thinks, you know, maybe there's enough, there are enough checks like that. It, even if somebody gets in, they don't have enough power to destroy everything. But then I hear from like political speechwriters or people that like ran his campaign, that ran Obama's campaign think like, Oh man, if Obama were a crazy person, um, it could be really bad. Yeah. The checks and balances are an interesting thing because when right now when obama's president i would like there to be less checks and balances i think that guy's got some really good ideas and i wish there was less things preventing him from getting them done right, right. Uh, like technically this refusal to 
uh, inducted nominee to the Supreme Court is a check and balance, right? Like it's allowed for in the system that's probably there to keep some president from going off the rails and electing something, somebody and nominating somebody that's totally not appropriate. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think that's broken, right? Like I want there to be less checks and balances. And then if Trump is doing the nomination, uh, I would think, wow, I really need to tighten up all these checks and balances because <laughs> this guy we can't trust with literally anything because yeah. he is so fragile and his masculinity is so toxic that if he, someone says his hands are little, he'll blow up their island or something. Like, <laughs> he, he can't handle any kind of personal attack and takes everything to DEFCON 11 immediately, right? Does not have the temperament of somebody that I think should be making any important decisions, especially not important decisions where lives are in the, are, are in the balance. He so, has made a lot of comments that make you think he would either start a war or at least attack, uh, well, enemy or ally. So... It's also worth noting that, of course, there are people that right now feel like Obama has entirely too much power and wish that he was reined in. And when Trump became president, would gripe and gripe and gripe about how things that he was trying to do got blocked. So it's interesting to me because checks and balances are like democracy's own internal struggle with itself, right? It's like whenever, whenever somebody has the forethought to think maybe someday my values won't be represented in government, they put in a few more roadblocks. And then the next sort of churn and ideology happens. And the next group of people is like, well, someday we're not going to be the ones in power. Let's put in a few more roadblocks to keep these things from happening. And now we have a system that, you know, gets kind of tied up in itself. So uh, ultimately, uh, I asked you the question, is there not enough checks and balances in the government? I think that the presidency should be a big job. So I don't know if we need more checks and balances. Uh, I think it's a big deal if someone like him were to win. I, I don't I don't adhere to the nihilistic he can't really do anything congress will stop him uh ideology yeah i just, mean just scares me i feel scared andy so tell, tell yes. me what that means <laughs> i feel scared when donald trump surges in the polls yeah god um so my last kind of talking point here um is a little bit of a rehash from our democracy show but uh, I want to rehash the things that I think are relevant here, um, which is that Donald Trump's support, any candidate's support, is not evidence that that candidate's policies or what that candidate will do in office stand to benefit the group of people that support them. Uh, for example, I still, to this day, do not understand why people don't like Obamacare. People talk about Obamacare like it is the most horrible thing that has ever happened in their entire lifetime. And all it does is make some people able to get healthcare where before they couldn't. I guarantee there are tons of people that are on healthcare because of Obamacare that otherwise wouldn't have it that hate Obamacare. Like, I don't understand people that if Donald Trump were to be elected, they might lose their healthcare or they might not have their minimum wage job increase in uh, salary. They might not stand to have these benefits and it will still vote for him. And that's an important part of democracy that I think is important to recognize. Uh, if I behave in the most uh, like self-righteous way possible, I would say that it's our job as people that maybe see through this facade of Donald Trump to protect everyone from Donald Trump, including people that support Donald Trump. Like if, his, if these things he says were actually to come to pass, some of the people that would suffer the most are people that are in uh, poor communities in the South, right? Are people that are in communities that are hugely Trump-supporting. And that's, that tells me something's real messed up about how we actually decide who gets to make decisions in this country when 
the people who are going to suffer from it are people that are supporting it. Uh, there's this huge disconnect that is the result of media and doublespeak and lies and all the stuff we've been talking about. And the result of that is that people don't really seem to understand what they're voting for. Uh, okay, so the, when, you end it, when you end it on don't seem to understand what they're voting for, then I'm like, okay, I agree with you. The, the general idea that someone would not vote for their self-interest I'm pretty okay with because we did just talk about um, how like maybe there is a reality in like you could lose a little by not having the advantage you previously had, but maybe you still should be voting for rights for other people, right? Yeah, I mean, let's, let's put it this way. Like, put the cards on the table. Uh, if you vote for a Democratic candidate, especially if you're in my tax bracket and probably your tax bracket, your taxes are going to go up. Uh, right. Are you individually going to see more benefit from those taxes going up than you would if you didn't pay those taxes and had kept that money? No, probably, probably not. not. Almost probably certainly not. not. Huge burdens on the tax system at the moment. I can't so, imagine. On the other side of the spectrum, you and I are examples of people that are almost certainly not voting in our own specific best interest, right? Right. Uh, That's why I say I don't think it's all. I don't think you can purely judge it on are you voting in your own self interest, but I do think you can vote. Like I think you can be deceived into not voting in your own self interest. Uh, and you don't even know it. Like, I think That's you should thing. know what you're doing. I think it's the more important thing is knowing what you're doing, um, not voting in your own self-interest. And, and that's the other side of it, right? Which is that I think there are also people that uh, hear that because they are voting on feeling, which I am trying my best not to be critical of, because the message of a campaign resonated with them, because the way a candidate carries himself resonated with them, because at one particular issue they brought up is something that they really felt was a problem and needed to be addressed the way the candidate said they were going to address it because right. of not because of any of those reasons. Uh, it's entirely possible for somebody to support a candidate that is actually going to make their life worse off. Uh, and my strong feeling is that the end all be all as to why Donald Trump is bad is because Donald Trump will lead to a worse life for more Americans than any other candidate based. If we just, if we just take his policies at, you know, at face level. Uh, he also is normalizing hate. He also is doing his other things. But I truly believe that we will be worse off collectively, significantly worse off uh, if he gets elected than if Hillary Clinton gets elected. And so that's what it comes down to for me. Let's add in lying, like normalizing or, or allowing lies to be treated as fact. I would like that thrown into the group. As that's an important thing that as well. Bad. Uh, normalizing hate. Normalizing facts don't matter. Allowing, yeah, allowing for people to think that facts don't matter. Uh, and making the country in general, or believing that may, that the country in general will actually be worse off if he were to be president. I saw a clip the other day. Of... Oh, also paying subcontract or not paying contractors or not paying subcontractors makes me really upset. We could go on forever, Matt. <laughs> like, like he literally Do you doesn't run a support. Where you need people to pay their invoices in order for you to continue working. Yeah, I mean, there's that. Would it too. be bad if they, if everybody didn't pay you? Like. There are also other things that I'm just like, as a human being, like if I had to interact with him, I, it, would, it would drive me crazy or maybe crush my business. Like that would be a thing that could happen, right? You're just like, oh my God, he, even on a personal level, he could destroy, he may have destroyed someone like me at some point, you know? Yeah, yeah. And he says, you know, he, he talks to the people who are downtrodden, who are, feel they've been slighted by the system. And he, on the other side, is the system slighting people. <laughs> he's like, he is, he's the hand that feeds and the hand that takes away. He's, he's doing all the things. We get to go on for hours about, about how disgusting and toxic uh, this campaign has been and how disheartening it is that these ideas have taken root so solidly in a big chunk of the people that support him. 
Um, but the, the normalizing of this kind of behavior is one of the things that's really rough for me. I, I do, there is this thing about public life, right? Which is that you very often get held to a higher standard than people not in the public eye do, right? Celebrities talk and, about it. And uh, you're, you were forced to be more transparent. Yeah, sure, right? Like, nobody's asking for you and I to release our tax returns. Uh, no, nobody wants to know why you and I have an email server set up. Like, you are held to a higher standard. You are scrutinized. And that obviously has its downsides. Uh, politicians talk about it. Celebrities talk about it. Uh, anybody with a certain number of Twitter followers talks about it. Like, the more sort of visibility you have comes with scrutiny and comes with higher expectations. Um, and to agree, that is a problem, right? Like, these are human beings. We need to be able to maybe be a little more generous with recognizing flaws and understanding empathizing with what we would do in that same situation that said i think it's important that we hold especially elected officials to a higher degree of scrutiny right like yes there are a lot of people who would respond to a a situation emotionally who temper gets the best of them who can't um you know speak in a rational way who can't uh you know keep their feelings in check in a way to lead Uh, but that is exactly the kind of person that we just don't elect to elected office. You, you don't get to be the president if you're that kind of person. And I was reminded of this when I saw a video the other day from uh, John McCain's campaign eight years ago, I guess, uh, when he was running against Obama. And he was at like a town hall in some place, and they were passing the mic around to people. And uh, this older white lady uh, was asking him about like, well, you know, just so you know, I can't trust Obama. And, uh, you know, I hear he's an Arab and he cuts her off and says, no, ma'am, no, ma'am. Mr. Obama is not an Arab. He's a member of this country. He was born here. Uh, He's a good man. Got He's dedicated to his community, his family. He I just see differently on these issues. Uh, And Lord knows I have my issues with John McCain. But I got like emotional watching that for a time. I know exactly the video you're talking about. For a time where we just where we just accepted that. Yes. You know what? It's very tempting when you're in a campaign against somebody who disagree with significantly and somebody throws you a bone. It's so tempting just to run with that and just to like, you know, dig in. But for John McCain in that situation to be the bigger person and to say, no, no, not that. We are not, we in America don't behave the way you are behaving right now. And he wasn't mean to the lady. He was just like, no, that's not true. We care about truth. That's not happening. To see that so dead in the current uh, sort of political discourse is the most disheartening thing. Uh, and that was eight years ago, right? We're not talking about forever ago. But that's the kind of scrutiny I want to hold public officials to. That's what I want from people, even if I disagree with them. I want them to say, no, no, ma'am. Mr. Obama's not an Arab. Uh, an Arab, he's an Arab, because whatever. But um, yeah, that, that struck a chord with me. And I think it is maybe the most succinct way to like talk about why I think Trump is bad, because... He takes those things. Like he, he just admitted last week that Obama was born in this country. Like, it's, in, it's insane. It is, it is crazy making. Uh, I just don't. I, I, the thing I don't understand is, like, I don't understand why people say things like, he's just like me, or, like, they want the president to be just. Like, it is the highest office in the land. I would be totally fine with a person that I think is much better than me. Like, I really <laughs> hope the president's a lot better than me. Oh, my goodness gracious. I am Lord totally knows. good with the idea that I'm, I am 100% sure that Obama is a much better human being than I am all around. Yes, I and am so much worse me. than Hillary Clinton. She is so much more patient, so much I smarter. I she is a much harder worker than I am. So I much harder working. 
Oh, Hillary Clinton probably never just, you know, just watches internet videos for six hours in an evening because she can't get motivated to do anything of the things she has to do on her to-do list. I don't think it happens. Watch House Hunters on a weekend. Yeah. These things just don't happen. I just want them to be, I want them to be the best of us. And And I certainly don't want, I certainly don't want to have the feeling that the, the, one of the presidential candidates might actually be a worse person than me. That's, that's terrifying. I'm just a normal person. Like what if, what if they're worse than me? Matt. That's bad. I think you're undeniably good, oh, but Trump good. is undeniably bad. Let's put in a button in this, this show. I think we've made our case. Oh. Everybody, we're going to put the register to vote links in the show notes here. Hey, what if people, what if tweet, people tweet at Real Good Bad Show and, and let us know that they registered to vote? That would be a cool thing. Or that they're planning to vote. Or what if I, I would be shocked if any Trump supporters listen to this. But I was going to say, I think we're preaching to the do. choir, and I don't think do. that our conversation is the kind of conversation <laughs> that's going to change hearts and minds. No, I don't think. Like, so. I don't I think. think is, I don't think we end this how, by this saying this is how we heal our own hearts. This is not changing anyone. This is this heart. is uh, this is rehabilitation. This is not uh, outreach. Uh, I mean, we tried to have we tried to recognize the other side, but this is probably not the show you send to your Trump supporter and expect to change their mind about something. Um, but yeah, j- just I don't know, discourse people. Here's the other thing, Matt. I know we said we're in the show, but here's the other thing that gets me about this is that I'm a little disheartened that this seems to be the current outcome of the age of communication. Like in no other right. age should it be harder to lie. In no There's other more time than there in ever history has been before and we used it to make up information. In no other time in history should it be more impossible to get away with just saying things that are not true and everyone accepting that at face value because we all have little boxes in our pockets that you can type the fact in. You can just ask Siri. You don't have to type it. Leave your thumbs at home. Just ask Siri. Hey Siri, you know, is this a problem? Is this a fact? Is this a thing? And she'll just say no. Like, it's it's disheartening that in an age where everybody has all the information, or at least has access to the information they want to have, that instead of facts and instead of some shared consensus around the reality of the state of the country and the world, we have these bubbles that are self-insulating, right? And the communication aid has had the exact opposite effect, which is that if you want to find 50 different articles about the facts for why Obama is a Muslim, you can. And you can read them, and they're written as if they were fact, and they sound reasonable if you take them completely at face value. And because you can find that, everybody is supported in their own extreme idiosyncrasies in a way that communication has failed us. Communication has exposed the flaws in humanity in a way that, are, that is so crushing. So should we just be mad at Roger Ailes? Is that like I was saying at the beginning of the show? Is that what we should do? I guess. I don't know. I'm mad at a lot of things. 